what had happened was all hell broke loose on Memorial Day and I tracked an EF4 tornado on the ground along with 13 others and there were minimal deaths and fatalities and I will never forget it. You just gave me chills. You really did. Thanks for finding the What Had Happened Was podcast. I'm your host, Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com. In light of the destructive tornadoes that hit our community on Memorial Day, I thought I'd sit down with WHIL Chief Meteorologist McCall Friday. Now, I have wanted to have McCall on the show for a while because she hosts Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast with Kirstie Zantini. Never expected that I would have her on the show for this reason. McCall was the voice that led many, many people in the Miami Valley through one of the worst nights in recent history. McCall mentions 14 tornadoes in the intro, but a 15th was confirmed between the time we spoke Friday and today. We get into the passion, science, and courage McCall used to warn local residents of the monstrous storms heading our way that terrifying night. The What Had Happened Was podcast is a product of Dayton.com and like Cloudy with a Chance of podcast is part of the Cox Media Group family. Like and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever else you find shows you love. Now on to my conversation with McCall Friday. What has this whole thing been like for you as a person who has forecasted one of the most tragic things that's ever happened to the community? On so many levels, it's been stressful. It's been heartbreaking, but also uplifting because I did have the chance to go out and talk to some people. And I, my mind is literally blown that I could be talking to somebody whose house is gone behind them and they're hugging me and just happy likely because they're just happy to be alive and they're just looking ahead and being so gracious and it's just a weird feeling to know that I was a part of all of this and hopefully save people's lives yeah I think that's clear from everybody I talked to what is going on behind the scenes when something like that is going on for me in particular and that night it was interesting because I was so low for a little bit until Dante could get back in and my desk has all the computers and the tools that I need. So that's what you were seeing if you were watching. I'm looking at my computers, showing me products such as radar, um, velocity, which can show rotating of winds. There was another product that we wound up using on air, which we don't often use. is something called correlation coefficient, and that product can show debris. Normally, it is all one color. When there's trees and houses being ripped apart, then it changes to another color, and it looks like just this little dot on the screen. And that's confirmation without visually seeing it that a tornado has touched down. And you were seeing that around what time? Perhaps the first debris signature I saw was closer to 945, 10 o'clock. And that was the Salina one. That was the first one that I saw. Then the next one I saw was near New Madison. Then it went into Laura and Ludlow Falls. And then there were a couple of circulations that developed up in Logan County near West Liberty. And then the monster in Montgomery County. And the one in Montgomery County was so anomalous to the other that it took me probably about a half a second to two seconds to really understand that it was what it was because it was so much bigger than the others. And why would a tornado of that size just plop down into the most populated area? And, and scientifically, why was it that it was so big, much bigger than the other ones? It just was the, the environment was, was there. Uh-huh. It's just, I don't know how to describe, but if just the conditions were most favorable there for that to happen. And that's the one that hit Trotwood. And it's 14 of them, right? 14 in our viewing area. 
I believe it was 17 or 18 for the Wilmington office. So that also includes part of the Columbus area and south. Then there was one that I think was confirmed by another weather service that's far southeast Ohio and two in northeast Ohio. I think the total is around 19 or 20 for the state. Well, the one that was a giant one, right? That was us. That was us, right? Which towns did it hit? It came down in the Brookville area, went through Trotwood, North Dayton. It appears that when it was just getting into Riverside, it may have picked up for, I don't know, a couple miles and then came right back down on the east side of Riverside. Continued on. That one is the one that went through Beaver Creek near the Fairfield Commons and then into northern Greene County and eventually out of our viewing area. So there was another one, because I was thinking mm-hmm. that that was the same one that hit North Dayton and Harrison Township, mm-hmm. and, but that was a totally different one. Oh, no, no, no. That was the that same was, one. That was the same, same one. one. Yes. So it basically just ripped this whole, like... Yeah. And I mean, it honestly, it is hard to say for sure. I believe it was that same one. But when that tornado got into Greene County, there was a second one that formed behind it and took a same track, except it started out a little bit further north in Miami County and came south. And I believe that's the one that hit Phillipsburg and then continued on in the same tracks it's very possible that some areas have damage from both tornadoes oh really yeah okay but there's no way to tell because they took that same path once it got to that harrison township area and beyond so it really what does it matter it doesn't yeah yeah and one thing people have been saying because i've been out talking to folks i just interviewed a couple in uh north dayton around dixie north dixie one of the things they said was the reason they got into the basement was because of you and Cheryl. Like, the seriousness in your voice, mm. the fact that you got choked up a little bit. And frankly, I was at home crying. I started to cry when you started to almost cry. Yeah. Almost thinking about it almost makes me want to cry. Yeah, makes me too. Let's, let's get our stuff together. Yeah, let's get it together, <laughs> Amelia. You're going to cry. I'm going to cry. It's going to be a mess. Nobody will understand anything we're saying. <laughs> what happened that, was it just like the veracity of it or the... It was, I knew that... It was bad. I That one to two seconds where I actually had to realize what I was seeing was actually what was happening. And then um, the debris signature, I can see on my map because I was so close in on the view of where this circulation was that I could see all of the streets. And I knew that there were hundreds of thousands of people that were right there. Somewhere in and around that time, because it's kind of segmented in my brain, but right around that time, the National Weather Service chat, because we communicate with them anytime we have an event like this. And anytime someone writes the word tornado, it makes this loud noise. So if you're watching the coverage and you kept hearing, that was them writing to us something with the word tornado in it. Okay. But the buzzer went off and I looked over and in all caps, it said large, violent tornado on the ground. And that all of that coming together and I just thought oh my goodness people are dying and it took me a moment and it popped in my head because at that moment it was around the Trotwood area it had already come through the Brookville area and I know Dante lives in Trotwood Mm -hmm. I know Letitia lives in Trotwood and so you start like going through your head like who are these people who who are dying who are these people people, I mean you guys are all my family thinking them and everybody else like they're in this and I knew it wasn't just a little tornado like, it was big. I couldn't tell how big it was, but it was big. But I guess we should tell people what happened. What mm-hmm. exactly happened? Monday, uh, during the day, conditions were coming together that there was going to be the threat for some severe weather as we were heading into the evening hours. And I had just gotten back from a conference a weekend before that, that I was learning all of these new techniques for forecasting for tornadoes and more for larger tornadoes 
things that don't normally happen in our area. And I'm thinking, well, when am I ever going to have to use these skills? Little did I know a week later I would have to. The setup started with a warm front moving in through the area. We've had warm fronts before, but it came through. We got the sunshine. We had the heat. The instability in the atmosphere was very high. There was an area of low pressure that was to our northwest that was going to be moving in. So that creates some energy aloft. It also creates some upper level winds. Then we also had low-level winds that were surging in in a different direction. So that creates something that we call shear. Basically, the environment is rotating. And then as we head into the evening, all three of these components were coming together, basically bullseyeing right in on the Miami Valley. Before we went on air at 5 o'clock, I was talking to meteorologist Dante Jones about some of the things that I was seeing and some of the things that I learned. And I said to him, what this is showing me is that we're 15 times more likely to have a tornado today. I, at the time, I said to Kirstius and Dante, I don't know if I fully absorbed what that meant, nor did I have a reference point to compare it to. I can't recall another time that it had been that high. Perhaps it could have been at some point, but I just didn't know because these are new tools that I had learned. You know, in our in our field, we're constantly learning to try and get better. So I knew something was going to happen. I had a really good feeling that we were going to see a, a tornado into the evening. I did not think we were going to see 14, nor did I think that we were going to see them at that magnitude. Did you think it was going to hit the city of Dayton or more populated areas like it? Because normally, and I was talking to Kirstie about this, normally it hits, it seems, areas that don't have the population like cities do. Yeah, that's just a tornado myth. People think that, oh, tornadoes can't cross bodies of water, tornadoes can't hit cities. But think to Oklahoma City, think of El Reno, think of those big, larger cities that typically see these large tornadoes. Joplin, they do happen, but when you're looking at a map and really how small tornadoes are, it's like throwing a dart at a dartboard and hitting a bullseye. It happens. Does it happen every time? No, it doesn't, but it can. Had you ever forecasted one before? Of that size? I don't typically see a setup that's going to produce them that large or that many. But I have forecasted, yes, that we're going to have some spin-ups today, EF0s, EF1s. Uh, those are things that people around here are used to seeing. Smaller not, ones that smaller are not going to come. that come in are really quick, sometimes not even caught on radar. Did you see it coming all day, or was it all of a sudden, like, now? I mean, like, everybody's right. enjoying the holiday. Mm-hmm. People are grilling out. I didn't even watch the news that night because right. we were kind of, like, in the relaxation mode. Yeah. When did you actually see that it was actual real trouble? Real trouble, probably around 7.30, 8 o'clock. Because it was, like you said, that's the way these type of setups happen. You can go all day and it can be sunny out. And then all of a sudden, what we say is it breaks the cap. And then all of a sudden, these storms just all fire up. So around 7.30, 8 o'clock, I saw two or three storms coming out of central Indiana that were rotating. And I knew at that point we were in a situation because those storms were going to come in. And I knew at that point they were going to produce tornadoes. And then they just kept strengthening. And then all chaos happened from like 9.03, I think. Our first warning was in Wayne County. And after that, it just one right after the other. When did you start going on consistently live? 9.03. And we didn't stop, I think, until 1 o'clock in the afternoon the next day. The tornado threat ended around 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm interrupting the show to remind you that you are not powerless in this situation. Our neighbors and friends impacted by those tornadoes are fighting their way back and need your help. 
the Dayton Foundation has established the Greater Dayton Disaster Relief Fund to help local charities in their efforts. And consider donating to the Dayton Food Bank. It is in need of hygiene items, non-perishable food, and money. The food bank can turn $1,000 into 6,000 meals. So please donate if you can. I will drop a link to where to donate to both charities in the notes for the show. Now back to my chat with McCall. And one thing that I'm kind of having a problem with, because I've been back out there. We were out, Mm -hmm. me and Anthony went, my husband went out, and we kind of drove around a little bit that night because we had to drop this kid off who got stranded. And Mm -hmm. it was, we just ran into like what it actually looked like. Is people not truly understanding that this was like a huge deal? I don't think until you see it, you really fully understand the devastation of it. I had the same conversation with Kirstie. I said, you go south of town, and it's as if nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. It's status quo. People, they didn't have to boil their water. They had their lights on. You know, it's just so far removed. And while I don't want people to go and gawk and look at this, I know even for me as a person, doing what I did, looking at radar and seeing the videos coming in, it really wasn't until I went there and looked at it for myself and just thinking, how is this ever going to get back to normal? How is all of this going to get cleaned up? Where is all of this going to go? And I went to Troy Street in Dayton before I went to Trotwood. And that part of town, you can just tell the people that live there don't have much to begin with. Where are they going to get the help to get back right. to whatever little that they already had? And it just makes me sad because I know that I can't help them. I can help a little bit to the cause, but... It's way beyond anything that I can do for them. Reminding people, I guess, is why we do what we yeah. do, that this is something that's important. And, of course, we'll be, like, continually doing these stories yeah. and all that, but it's hard to sort of impress that on people that yeah. <laughs> this is not going to be over next week. No, it's not. And it's going to be a while. And I was thinking about it today. I was like, there is some exhaustion from tornado coverage and things like that. So the news will slowly start to go back to normal. And it's sad because we can't continue to just cover the damage in these areas for weeks upon weeks because that's just how long it's going to take months perhaps even a year for some people to get back on their feet it's one of those situations where it's like it's going to be gone but it's not going to be forgotten i don't want it to be forgotten by anybody how do you compare it to other tornadoes that people might be more familiar with is that even a fair question i guess yeah it is a fair question Uh, the one comparison that everybody's brought up is the xenia tornado I would say it is up there. This is the Xenia tornado of this generation. There are obviously great differences in the sense that the Xenia tornado was an F5 with winds over 250 miles per hour. Even the F4 that they rated had winds up to 170. So you're talking about winds that were almost 100 miles per hour greater than that. But still, the number that we had... You know, Xenia, there were a few other tornadoes, I believe, in the Miami Valley that day, but that was the one that was the big one. There were so many more communities that were impacted this time around, so many more people around our area. The difference is, though, the technology and the early warning, I think, that saved so many lives. It really did, and that's where that... My in-laws, for instance, God bless their souls. (laughs) And this is something Anthony told you about. But we were like, get in the basement. Mm -hmm. Get in the basement. People didn't want to take it seriously. You probably bump into that too with the whole, Mm -hmm. you go on TV, you say, this is important. I guess now people will take it more seriously than it. Yeah. It's a sad reminder, right? There were plenty of people that I spoke with that kind of thought, oh, whatever. There was one girl that told me she got the tornado watch, the tornado warning, and just kept, you know, just... 
She's like, ignore. Ignore, ignore. <laughs> We've had these before. And she was in Trotwood. And, and everybody that said in Trotwood, it was as if it just got like really quiet and then loud. And that's when they were like, oh, my goodness, this is real. This is happening. So I think, like you said, a lot more people are going to take everything a lot more serious now. But there is a little PTSD, myself included. Just had this strong thunderstorm that was coming in. It was producing a little bit of some small hail, thunder, lightning, heavy rain. And my social media account was just blowing up. Miamisburg, sound their sirens, which was just tornado sirens. Well, we call them tornado sirens. Cities and towns can send them off for whatever reason that they want. Could have just been the fact that some of these areas had been destroyed by the tornado and they wanted to alert the people that there was a strong thunderstorm coming in. So if you're in the recovery cleanup effort, get inside. It's more of a like, hey, get away from being impacted by this storm. But with everything that happened on Monday, tornado sirens is just going to set people into a full-on panic. Um, So I think there's going to be some time where... We're going to have to start to get back to normal. Not every storm that comes in is going to do that. Just because you have one tornado does not mean you're more likely to have a tornado again. Right. And that sort of thing. But you're right. Like this PSD thing, especially since all the debris is still out there too. Yeah. The yeah. destruction is still like literally yesterday going to a story. It took me 45 minutes to figure out how to get one mile. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I ended up driving through like, yeah. like uh, over uh, wires. Uh, and yeah. Even though I knew the wires were down, I was not down but not on. Yeah. It was still like horrific. It's yeah. like a battle zone out there. I know. I know. I've I've seen tornado damage here before in one side of the street, trees are one way, other side of the street, trees are the other way. And you can tell, oh, this is how big the tornado was. But this thing was so big, everything's all in one direction, which means you're only on one side of the tornado. I said to Dante because the width that they estimated that tornado to be was 0.6 miles. Whoa. Across. I said it would take me eight minutes to run from one side to the other. Think about... It would take me 47 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, but think about that. That's more than a half a mile wide. And it was on the ground for nearly 20 miles. Just nuts. Just taking everything out on its its path. And it really is a science, though, that kept people safe. What do you think would have happened Mm -hmm. if you didn't have these alerts and you didn't have the weather? You think... The technology that The technology we have now. Oh, there'd be way more people dead i don't want to hate having to say that but yeah i mean i honestly thought i was going to wake up to dozens of people that were killed you know and was blown away unfortunately that there was one man but blown away that it was only one i think that the technology and the ability to show it to people not to say that we ever hid it from people but we didn't really have the technology to show it right um i think showing it to people and i've been told several times showing that debris ball people got that yeah you know what i mean like they get it and people aren't stupid. If I can show it to them and that's the way that they're going to get their affirmation that this is happening, then I want to show them everything. And the fact that it was dark and those storms were coming in with heavy rain, you're not going to be able to look outside. People were able to see it because of the flashes of lightning, which is terrifying to me that you're going to stand out there and that's the way you're going to be able to see that this thing is coming at you. And that's another weird thing. Like, um, sorry, if you can see it, it can see you. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an hotel. Like, that thing's coming towards yeah, you if yeah. it's outside. Perhaps you should not be out there trying to, ooh, is that? Is that? Well, and, yeah, because of how big it is, it would take up most of the sky. That you is know? nuts. I don't know. It's just I haven't been able to really put it all together in my mind. We were having this discussion before we started of like, do I understand what it is that I did for the the public? And I don't. I don't really get it. There are a few moments that I break down about it, but it's 
I'm just break down because of how bad it is, but I am happy that it wasn't worse. Well, you know, I'm a softie anyway. You know, I cry very easily, so, <laughs> so do I. I appreciate people who do. Yeah, that's me. Because <laughs> you care, right? <laughs> my mom didn't want to tell me my fish died when I was little because she was afraid I was going to break down. He's like, oh, Robbie, I'm yeah. crying about it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's a go. So why'd you get into meteorology in the first place? Well, I actually wanted to be on stage doing Broadway. I love to sing and be the center of attention. Even when I was a little kid, someone would have a camera. I'd be jumping in front of it. I'm also a middle child, so I think that plays to look at me. Um, <laughs> see me, mom? I'm on TV kind of thing. But that's what I really wanted to do for a really long time. And then when I got into high school and I took my earth science class and just realized like, whoa, this is really cool. And I mean, my teacher was amazing and she totally fed into that. And then I went into chemistry and my chemistry teacher was like, why are you in basic chemistry? You should be in AP chemistry. And at that point, it was too late, so she wound up getting me into AP physics, which I loved. And, and I just realized that, oh, my goodness, I have this love for science and earth science specifically and, and weather. And I also have this love for broadcast. So that's when I decided that that's what I was going to go to college for. You're the first chief woman chief meteorologist in a long time. Was it hard for, to do this as a woman? Yes and no. Yes, because I have a daughter at home that's two and a half, and my husband now just went to days but he worked nights and taking on that and knowing that it was going to be really tough on our family but now he's been able to go to days and we have really great people to support us because we're not native to Ohio our, our family and friends that we grew up with are in New York both of us we were born and raised there so other than the people and that love us that are here we, we don't have mom that can run over and grab the baby when I'm in crazy tornado coverage. That was kind of like the hard part of going into this, but this is something I've worked towards my whole life. So I was honored to to step up and, and take the role and show everybody that, hey, whatever a man does, a woman can do it too. Damn right, sister. Yeah, <laughs> right. We can do it. We're, we're tough as nails. And you kind of proved it this week in a, a bad way, but a good way, because mm -hmm. I think you did keep a lot of people safe. Yeah, and I did get several comments from women saying thank you for showing me your strength and I think that there is in this situation I'm you know not saying anything about any of the other male meteorologists in the community but the compassion of being a mom not to say that like they're dads and they don't care about their children I, I don't know if there's just some kind of feeling as a mom uh, and that nurturing and reaction that you have that plays into everybody is my babies kind of thing everybody right. that lives here they're they're my babies they're my family yeah and that's what i think it was so impactful too was you and cheryl and it was like they're they're like telling you the truth you better <laughs> act right now yeah i had a, a few people message me that they knew it was serious when i did my mom voice <laughs> they said they like instantly i went to mom tone and yeah. was just like you need to do this you know, at one point I w was basically yelling at one of our photographers as they were driving the around to get off the road. Like, what are you doing? Get off the road now. And that's the thing about reporters that people don't realize we want to run towards Yeah, them. I know. I know. But I had said to one of our photographers, the problem is I get that you're going to be out there, but even storm chasers don't chase alone. You have to have somebody that's driving. Right. And you have to have somebody that's telling you where to go that's safe. That's why I was like, they may not know where they're going. This tornado wound up taking a right turn, which is extremely dangerous because most times people think tornadoes come from the south and move to the north. And this time it was going east and then turned south. Right turners 
if you remember uh, the El Reno tornado that killed some well-known storm chaser, it was a right turner. If you're following it from the south, you're expecting this tornado to go north. So mm-hmm. if, if it seems like a dangerous situation, you're like, I'll just go south. Well, you could be just driving right into the path. Right. When in fact, north would have actually been the better option. So get off the road, knuckleheads. Just get off the road. You know, the best place to be if you're going to chase a tornado is behind it. Just chase it and chase, chase the, you know, the damage. Don't ever be in front of it or north or south of it. Yeah, don't ever chase it. <laughs> yeah, don't ever chase it. Yeah, exactly. Don't chase it. Don't chase it unless you are a professional. Exactly. And even then, I mean, you have to really know your stuff. And we don't have tornadoes like this that you typically can chase in our area. So that also means there's probably not as many experienced people. Right. And you have people who don't know what they're doing out there playing, yeah. playing with their lives. Yeah. Last thing I want to ask you about is a podcast you guys have. Tell me about your podcast. So Cloudy with a Chance of Podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about all weather-related things. We also talk about astronomy things. Then we talk about farming. We even sat down with a school superintendent once to talk about how he decides calamity days as far as weather is concerned. So we try to pick a lot of different topics. And our latest episode that we just dropped, Kirstie and I actually went out to the storm damage. We were out in Dayton on Troy Street. And then we wound up in Trotwood. I spoke with a woman there named Janet, who was a very sweet lady. And after the tornado hit, she tells us the whole story of where she was and everything that happened. That the neighbors helped dig her grill out of the backyard. And because they don't have power and they didn't want the food to go bad, the next night they all grilled at her oh, house. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And we told that story on air. And some gentleman saw the story called us, asked where she lived, went and brought her all of this hamburger meat. And so our photographer went to like see him drop off the food. And while he was there, Letitia Perry was there just walking around with the mayor of Trotwood. And they came over and it turned out like Letitia and this woman knew each other somehow or they had mutual friends. Yeah, so it just was like a crazy how everybody knows everybody in this area and we're all caring and so her story was really great i talked to a few other people that were in that neighborhood as well so an expert that works for assure it which is an insurance company company and he's a storm damage analyst and he talks about the assessments and uh, what goes into people having to make claims on, on their houses and stuff and that's really going to be the next thing that we have to help people get through mm-hmm. through our coverage. Yeah, and it's hard to get that information out. If it helps one person, then it's worth doing it. And he's great. He's been on our podcast before. He always has great information as to what people should do, what documents they should have, where they can go to get that process started. One thing that he told us in a previous podcast, which is really interesting, and you don't really think about it until you go through it, is uh, in an area like maybe you're house is so destroyed you have to leave or your mailbox is gone or maybe the postal man can't get to you how are you supposed to get your insurance check right you you need that money or you need to mail it out you know i mean so those are things that you don't think about until you go through it and he kind of talks about that a little bit well thanks for coming in mccall i appreciate it thanks for having me thanks again for tuning in to the what had happened was podcast can't say enough how proud i was of not only mccall but also sherman henry that night and our whole weather team I also want to give a special thanks this week to everyone who has pitched in to help those impacted by the tornadoes. Please consider donating to the Food Bank and to the Dayton Foundation's Greater Dayton Disaster Relief Fund. A lot has been done, but there is so much more we can do together. Until next time, see you later.